0: morning I want to share just two thoughts. I don't know how long it's going to take, but the two thoughts are this. Get connected, stay connected. Get connected, stay connected. We live in a social media world right now where everything, I just like how you shared that, you know, the idea of getting off of social media and spending that time with God. But social media was invented for a great purpose. That was to connect people to connect, you know, via the, the Facebook. Connect with the people that you used to know and, and find out where they're at today. We've got Instagram, we've got Pinterest, we've got Twitter, so you can know what everybody's doing all the time and, and to stay connected. The funny thing is that with all of the ways of connection, um, this, is, this is one of the, the, the greatest epidemics of our time is this uh, thing called loneliness. That people are more disconnected. They feel disconnected even though there's so much opportunity to be connected, and it's doing the opposite thing. Um, This whole idea of um, being connected to everything, you get to see stuff that you probably never see. For instance, any of you recognize this cat? You know what? Every once in a lifetime, a cat does something amazing, and so I felt like I had to share it. This cat is Russian, um, uh, and in Russia, this cat saved this baby Um, this week this baby Mm, this baby right, so saved this baby this week. This baby is three months old, was left in a cardboard box in the alleyway uh, of an apartment complex in Russia. The cat was a stray cat, lives uh, in that apartment building and actually crawled in that box and curled up on that baby and laid there throughout the night to keep the baby warm enough. And in the morning, made such a stink that it was the cat that they heard crying and uh, came and found the cat, and there was this baby. And the cat followed the the rescue workers as they went and brought this baby to the ambulance and to the hospital and saved a life. And I know some of you think I hate cats. Every once in a while, i got to share but that'll probably be the only time. So, but I wouldn't have known that if it wasn't for this idea of being able to be connected to everything going on around. And yet this whole idea of being connected... Uh, we, feel, we feel less connected. We've got emails. We've got texts. We've got all kinds of ways to communicate with one another. And yet the, our, our actual communication skills are decreasing all of the time. If you find out, you think about it, you know, if you had just could communicate with your spouse for one week, just via text, via email, via um, inboxes or Facebook, whatever, um, you, at, at the end, you'd realize, man, I feel so much different. Uh, disconnect. I don't quite understand what they meant by what they said. Some of you are like, well, I don't care. Let's try it anyways, right? Like, we'll, we'll do one week. Uh, this thought, though, of uh, I've seen people's marriages end because of texts, not understanding the tone, not understanding this stuff, and not realizing that we, we crave community. We crave face-to-face. We crave this, this idea of being known and knowing somebody, and it's something that God put in us. Uh, over the last couple of weeks, I've um, just been reading through the Gospels again. I'm doing, read through the New Testament uh, in a year and kind of, it's chronological. So they take the stories that are happening in the, in the Gospels. If they're happening at the same time, you read them at the same time. So sometimes I'm reading the same thing four times because all four guys said it. Um, but as I'm reading that, I'm like, man, I start seeing things that I, I just hadn't seen before. Um, you know, Jesus called all kinds of people to come and follow him. Uh, Which is such an interesting thing because a lot of times we look at the gospel message. It's something I've just been really um, uh, thinking about a lot lately. Are we sharing the gospel message, the good news message, the way that that it needs to be, the way that saves lives? Uh, Matthew chapter 9, if you have your Bibles, just uh, go there uh, with me. Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. Brought on your iPad or iPhone or don't trust whatever they put up on the screen. You want to know that uh, you know that we're telling you the truth. Matthew chapter 9 tells this story. I'm just going to read through and then I'll share a little bit. It says this, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. He said, follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and he followed him. And we look at this and we're like, okay, cool. Just read right on past that. That that was good. What's next? But if you slow down a little bit and you actually imagine what this scene looks like, here's Jesus walking along with a few disciples because he's only got a few so far. As he's walking along, Matthew's writing about his own story. And he writes, Jesus came along and saw Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. And we've talked about that before. Tax collectors, they were like the lowest of the low as far as, um, as, far as people thought of them. Um, you know, the, uh, uh, Andy Stanley compared these guys to the, to the guy who's at middle school. You know, when your kids are going from middle school to the store to buy candy, he's there to sell them drugs. That's this thought of the tax collectors. They're like, oh, man, they're, they're like, they're, they're scum, man. They're, 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 what, they're dirt bags. This, this is Matthew, and he's writing about himself. He's writing, Jesus came along and said, hey, come follow me. First thing that Jesus said to Matthew was, come follow me. When we look at it and we think about it, um, and, you, and you look at what Jesus could have said to him, could have said anything to him. He could have come up to him and said, yeah, your mom must be real proud of you. But he didn't. He said, hey, come follow me. He could have said what we think a lot of church people said. You know, buddy, your life's a mess. You can come to our church as long as you uh, change. You know, change a few things. You know, stop doing what you're doing. You know, we'll come back in a couple of weeks to see if you're better. And then you can come join us. And Jesus didn't say that to him. He just said, hey, you know what? Just come follow me. See, a lot of times we think that we've got to get good to get God to like us. And the idea is the opposite. It's to get God and you'll get good. He'll change, he'll change your life as you follow him. So he says to Matthew, come on and follow me. And people are probably thinking, man, that's too simple. That's just way too simple. Just follow me. The Pharisees thought it. You know, maybe the disciples did too. Peter's probably like, what do you mean, Jesus? Like, yeah, you called me to follow you, but I'm not a tax collector. You know, and I don't want a tax collector hanging out with us. And Jesus is like, you know what? We're going to have him join us. He's going to be a part of us. He says to Matthew, Matthew, just come and follow me. And follow me is not like, hey, follow me because I'm just going for a walk down this road and when we're done, you know, you can go home. He says, come follow me. Associate yourself with me. Identify yourself with me. And I'll identify myself with you. And it's, it, it's this, it, the, the, the thought is that as as he begins to follow him, as Matthew begins to, to follow Jesus and he's, he's kind of the one tax collector in the group. So they still have this, they still have the majority. Uh, and Jesus says, uh, he's, uh, he says this next part is just—it's incredible. Verse some, um, uh, verse ten. So later, so we'll find out where they followed him too. He says later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors. So he said, like, "Where are we going, Jesus? We're going to your house. We're going to go hang out where where you are. Not necessarily that it's good for my reputation, but I don't really care about my reputation. I care about you and your friends." And so he goes and hangs out with them. And it says there was many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners, which is interesting. Because the tax collectors were so bad, they weren't even allowed to be in the category of sinners. The sinners didn't like that. Those guys, we might be sinners, but we're not tax collectors. So he says these tax collectors and disreputable sinners are all hanging out at Matthew's house. And it says the Pharisees saw this, and they asked Jesus' disciples. They said, why does your teacher eat with such scum? The Pharisees are, like, they go, they're following Jesus along. They're like, what's he doing? He just took a tax collector. We better write a report, you know. We got to send this back. So they're kind of following him. And all of a sudden, they're like, wow, we're going to the rich district. And we're going right to Matthew's house. And they all go in. And Matthew's at the door. He's like, no, nah, Pharisees, you get to stay outside. You know, we're not friends. You know that. And they're like, okay. So they stay outside. And they ask the disciples, like, why is he eating with such scum? And, and the Pharisees, um, they say to the disciples. And the disciples, they go and ask Jesus, it says they go in and they ask him. It says, you know, when Jesus heard this in verse um, uh, verse 12, he says, when Jesus heard this, so many of the disciples said to him, you know, Jesus, why are, you why are we eating with such scum? And Jesus like, he says it out loud. He says, go tell them this. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Go tell them that. And you got to imagine a little bit, you know, as uh, Andy has said it this way too, as they're sitting around that table, here's Jesus. He, he, says it to, um, he says it out loud to them. He's like, just go tell them that, you know, healthy people don't need a doctor. The sick people do. And Matthew's probably looking at that with his friends like, wait a second. I invited you to my house, and you're here calling us sick? Will you think we're sick, Jesus? And, and he'd be like, you know, that's, that's just it. That's offensive. But it, it doesn't say that. And you think about that. You think, you know, maybe Jesus would kind of smile and said to him, come on, Matthew. You're a tax collector. You know you're sick. And they'd be like, oh yeah, we're sick. High fives, let's eat dinner. And they carry on. And you think Jesus being just as, uh, as loving as he is, he's perfect, but he's hanging out with people who aren't, and they are okay with it. They actually like being around him. That should say something. If people, if, if you're here this morning, and you come to church, and you feel any bit of this thought of, oh, you know, they're looking down on me, or, oh, they're, you know, they're judging me, or, oh you know what, if it's true, that's on us. But that's not Jesus. He's not like that. It's just this idea of just this incredible love for real people. And it says, you know, uh, the thought too is for us, we know that, that this idea that we're, we're sick. I don't have to tell you that. I mean, if you ask, you, if you ask yourself that, you know, some of those questions, if, if there's a God, I, I'm pretty sure I've broken his rules. I, I, know I'm, I, I know I'm sick. You know, I haven't even kept my own rules. The stuff I tell my kids not to do, I, I do. Don't say that word. And later on, they'll catch me saying that word. Like, oh, man, I can't, even, I can't even live up to my own standards. We know we're sick. But see, there's something what Jesus is saying here. He says, I came for those who know they're sick. For those of us who can look in the mirror and say, you know what? I know that I need help just on my own. I, I don't have it. I don't have it all, all together. But Jesus says this to them. He says, listen, I, I, I came to call those um, who are sick. So that's who I came for. And he says, he says to them, hey, go and learn what this means. I, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, which is an Old Testament quote. And, the, and all, those, all the Pharisees ever did was read and study the Old Testament and be good. And he says, listen, I, I, I'm telling you guys to go and learn what this means. And he says, what, and, and they're like, well, what does that mean? We know what that means. But he says the following thing after that. He says, listen, he says, I came not to call the righteous. He says, I came to call the sinners to repentance. I came to call people who know they're sick to repentance, that there's this idea of change. Repentance is changing your mind, and that in turn changes your actions. Changing your mind about the fact of, you know what, I got life covered. I can handle it. I got it all. I can do what I want. It'll work for me to get to that place to realize, you know what? No, every time I'm in control, I screw it up. I realize that there's something in me that's missing. And realizing that, God, I, I'll, I, I don't want to keep living that way. I want to live differently. He says, changing your mind, which leads to changing um, of our actions. And, and the, the part of that is sometimes we don't always talk about that part. This idea of leaving a life behind for the relationship that we have with him. The good news, you know, the good news is that you might be a sinner. You might be sick, but you don't have to stay that way. That's the good news of the gospel. Um, there's different versions of this same message. As we're reading through, um, as I'm reading through and just studying what all the guys would teach as far as the gospel message, what was the good news? They all had a little bit of a different spin. You know, John, um, John the, uh, the guy who wrote the gospel of John, he wrote it and said it this way. He says, I wrote this whole book so that you would keep believing, keep believing um, in Jesus, and you'll have life by the power of his name. Keep believing, you'll have life. And Peter, when he preaches in Acts, at the very beginning, he says these things. He says, um, they, as he's sharing, they get cut to the heart. And they're like, what do we got to do to be saved? And he says to them this, repent. Change the way you think. He says, be baptized. You know, go through the dunking of water. Um, and he says them this, and, and receive Holy Spirit. He says, you're going to need him in your life. There's this, this connection. And Paul said, um, as he wrote to the Corinthians, he said, the gospel message is this, keep Believing that Jesus died for your sins, that he was buried and that he rose again. Keep believing it. Not just this idea of, of I did believe it. See, uh, there's, there's this thing in, in, our, in, in the last couple of, um, in number of years that came out called the sinner's prayer. And for a lot of people, this is our claim to where, when did you become a Christian? Well, I said a prayer. I accepted Christ into my heart on such and such a date. I said this thing called the, you know, the sinner's prayer. Jesus, I believe that I'm a sinner. It keeps coming to my heart and from, and from here on in. And uh, that's not in the Bible anywhere. And as you think about that, that just started, you know, happening, you know, 50, 60 years ago. This idea of you can just say a prayer, and as long as you said that prayer, you're good. But it's not true. It's it's not true. It's not what Jesus was was ever actually saying. And what happens with that is so often we we have this thing where it's saying, hey. You, should, you don't have to change anything. Just come and just come and say this prayer, and you're going to be okay. If you feel like today is your day, come and say this prayer. And it's all going. You know, God's got a plan for your life. Your life's going to be better because of Him. And then you say the prayer, and you find out your life isn't any better. And then people are like, you know, saying you don't have to change. But then you come to church, and they're feeling like, man, you got to stop smoking, man. You got to stop drinking. You got to stop. Like, you got to move out. You got to, you know, and all these things. You're like, I thought I didn't have to do anything. And, and all of a sudden, it's like bait and switch. It's like, you don't have to do anything? Okay, we got you. Now we're going to try and change you. But Jesus never did it that way. He just simply said, I called people who know they're sick to come and repent. Change the way you think, and it will change the way you live. But the change, what's so important is that there is change. It's just the order of change that I want to talk about this morning. So often it can get skewed because we focus on, on needing to change. But he said, it's not like that. It's not like that at all. In John chapter six, um, it's this an interesting story. If you if you studied the book of John this um, with our Bible study, you'll remember this um, this um, thing. But um, if you're a person who's on Instagram. Instagram is where you get to take a picture and uh, show your life to people or 15 second video clip and everybody gets to watch and my wife follows some people on Instagram some of you I I, I sneak on her phone every once in a while I admit and I, I check and see is there anything cool happening on uh, Instagram and as I go through I realize that I can you know see what your babies are doing all the time oh they smiled again click you know uh, and, and uh, some of you it's, it's other things some of you are posting stuff and you know there's this idea of where you can follow Follow certain people. But then there's this other thing where, you know, if you just post selfies of you listening to your favorite tunes all the time and the whole thing is all you, then all of a sudden people push unfollow. You know, or if it's your baby's smile in 15 different ways, I don't want to see all that unfollow. And they decide, we're not following anymore. We're just done with that. There's that opportunity to do the same thing in Christianity and it happens all the time and people don't realize. It. In John chapter 6, he, he tells the same story. He's, um, he's talking about how he had just fed the 5,000 and he goes around the lake, and uh, he's on the other side of the lake, and the people show up the next day where Jesus was, and he's not there anymore. And so they all go across to see if they can find him. And they find him on the other side, and he says to them, you can read, read John chapter 6, uh, maybe for your devotions, just to see if I'm not telling you what's true. But as he says um, through this, he says they come all the way around, and in verse 26 and 27, do we, do we have those up there? He says this, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I, what? Fed you. Because I, I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. He says, some, you, the, the truth is that, you know, you walked all the way around the lake. You want to be a follower of me because I fed you. This happens a lot of times with Christianity for us. It's this idea of, God, as long as you're doing stuff for me, we're good. We're, and you're going to see in a minute why, why this is. As long as, as long as you're feeding me, as long as you're doing what I need you to do, we're good. I'm going to keep following I'm going to keep following, and Jesus said, I tell you the truth, you're not here because you understand what I'm doing, you're here because I fed you yesterday, and you're hoping for a free meal today, I'm your ticket, later on, he says, they say, they start talking to him, and they're like, no, Jesus, we, um, we, uh, we want to believe in you, but you got to do something, do a sign, show us a miracle, and then he says to them, he says, you know, you guys have been following me because you want, you want a, a show, he says, some of you are here because you just want to be fed. Some of you here, it's because, you know, I, I've done tons of signs and miracles. And he says, you still don't believe in me. He says, well, we want to do your works too. We want to do the signs and wonders like you. And he says, All I, the only work that I want you to do is believe in me. That's the only thing I want you to do is believe in me. And he puts it out there again for them. And you know what happens as you, as you look through this? This is in, in 29 and 30. He says, listen. Don't follow me because I fed you. Don't follow me just because you're hoping to see some signs and wonders. He says, follow me because it's eternal life. And you see this at the end in verse 66. John chapter 6, verse um, 66. I want to read it to you. If I can get there. It says this, at this point, many of his disciples or many of his followers turned away and deserted him. Many of his followers decided, no, we're unfollowing now. Because they didn't like it. He began to share some stuff and say, listen, it's this idea of be connected to me. He shares about what, what later turns into um, our, our understanding of community. He says, you got to eat my flesh. you got to drink my blood. And they're like, that's creepy, man. We are out of here. It was good when you fed us. It was good when we saw cool things. But no, this idea of being co- that connected to you, no. No, we're, we're unfollowing. And Jesus says to them, Jesus turned to the 12 and said to them, are you guys going to leave too? And Simon Peter, he replied, Lord, to whom are we going to go? You alone, you have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know that you're the Holy One of God. And Jesus said, I chose 12 of you, but one's a devil. He was speaking of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, one of the 12 who would later betray him. You know, he realized that even in his closest followers, one would decide to unfollow. See, this idea... For a lot of us is that our, our Christianity is based on one event that happened way back when. In the get connected, in the idea of say a prayer, in the idea of make a decision. Sinner's prayer is great if it's the starting point of a, of a different life. It's that idea of, yes, I'm deciding to follow Jesus Christ. But he says it's not just that get connected. It's, I think, what Sarah's talking about today, what Chris is talking about today, what he's talking about today is this idea of stay connected stay connected one of the first things that jesus said to matthew is come follow me come on let's get connected last thing he said before he died was in john chapter 15 if you flip over there just a few pages to the right john chapter 15 jesus is heading out judas has already left dinner he's on his way to betray him and jesus and the other disciples are walking out to the garden where they uh, where they normally went to pray and as they're walking out there Whether there's grapevines around there or something, Jesus came up with this analogy to share with them, and they would have understood it. He says, you know what? Um, In verse 1, he says, I'm the true grapevine. My father's the gardener. And he starts talking about this idea. In verse 4, he says, Remain in me, and I remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. You cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. It would be the same idea today as saying, you know what? Jesus would say, I am um, uh, the, the power company here. I'm hydro one and you guys are the power lines and you're bringing the, the electricity, the light, the energy, the love to those around. The same idea. He says this, um, this thing, something they would understand. He says, I'm the vine in verse five. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them, they'll produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me, and my words remain in you. Remember that. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you. You may ask for anything you want. It'll be granted. When you produce much fruit, you're my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. He says, I have loved you, even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments, and remain in his love. You know, Jesus says to them, he says, listen, you know, I'm I'm heading off somewhere. But uh, he says, there's got to be fruit in your life. You know, when you look at a tree in the summer, the first thing you notice is the leaves. You don't see all the branches in behind. You see the leaves or you see the, the fruit. It's the first thing we're drawn to. So my, my question is, Jesus is saying this. He's like, my question for you is this. Do people see fruit in your life? Can they see fruit that's in your life that says, yeah, my life is different? Paul said, hey, I had a former life and now I have a different one. I used to be this way, but I'm not anymore. There's this idea of fruit. Can, you, can the people close to you see the fruit in your life? Does your spouse see this fruit growing in your life? And we'll talk about that real quick, what fruit is. But what about you? Do you see fruit in your life? Do you see that, yeah, because of this relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm different. Because he says, if you're connected to me, you will bear fruit. So if there's no fruit, it says something about our connection. If there's no fruit in your life, it's saying something about your connection. As a pastor and as a Just for here, my heart is to see that lives are genuinely changed, not that we live our lives based on some faulty foundation that thinks we're okay because we said a prayer at some point. Jesus said this to them, that their lives would be different. Matthew probably would have said, I used to be a tax collector, I used to steal and rob, but I'm not that guy anymore. Matthew chapter 5, he writes about it. He says, you know, don't let, um, Jesus had said this, this thing. He says, don't, uh, don't hide your light. Let your light shine for all men. What are they going to see? He says, let them see your good works and let them glorify your Father in heaven. Some of the fruit in our life, it's good works. It's the, it's the things that we do. In Ephesians chapter 2, he says, for by grace you're saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. Not of works, Mark. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. It's just by grace and faith. I don't need the works. And he says to, to that is the, next, the very next verse, which we don't often talk about, is verse 10. He says, you're my workmanship, created in Christ for good works. This idea of this relationship with Jesus is going to affect your life for good works. Galatians chapter 5 talks about the inward fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, this stuff on the inside that you, that you realize. You know, when things are happening in your life, how are you handling it? Is it the outburst of anger? Is it, no, I got peace. I'm going through my uh, child in the hospital What's the first thing that happens? I I have peace. What is it? The focus is not on the fruit, but on the following. The focus is not on the fruit, but on the following. As Jesus was saying this to them, his idea wasn't saying, hey, you guys, focus, try and bear some fruit. It's not possible. It doesn't doesn't work that way. It's this idea of just stay connected to me. Stay connected to me and you'll bear fruit. Why? Because I'm leading you. Ten times in this short number of verses, he says the words remain remain, abide, stay, stay in me. Not just, hey, decide to follow me. Stay in me. Stay with me. He says, if you're disconnected, you're going to be fruitless. We need to stay connected to him. Um, uh, A number of years ago, uh, quite a number of years ago, I moved from um, St. Catharines to Nanakoke to to work on a dairy farm. Uh, I'm not a farmer, but I was working there to earn the daughter um, uh, from from, a from Dick and Liz. So I work there and uh, one of the summers I had, said to, I had said to him, you know, I'm youth pastoring, like, can I have some time off this summer? He's like, you can have the whole summer off as long as you're here for haying season. And I was like, okay, I'll be there for, for haying season. So day one of haying season, my job, uh, they bring all the hay bales and I, I got to put them on the elevator so that they go up to the barn, uh, into the loft and someone else is up in the loft. And I'm putting hay bales on the, on the elevator and three or four go up. And all of a sudden, the belt starts slipping, and the, and the hay bales are coming back down. I'm like, this is weird. And I realize that the, the motor is stalling out. I'm like, oh, that's not good. It's just not spinning. And so I grab the belt, and I give it a pull, and my hand goes through the pulley, and it takes off. The tip of my pinky finger and cuts the rest of my fingers through the glove. I pull the glove off, and there's my little pinky dangling. I'm I'm like, this isn't good. I run to Wesley's house. I probably scream louder than I've ever screamed. And he runs down. He's like, oh, that's not good. He grabs a vegetable bag of vegetables out of the fridge and freezer and says, put this on. We're going to the hospital. It's open, so there's vegetables everywhere. Takes me to the hospital, vegetables all over Hagersville emergency room. We go in there, and they, uh, they come in. They're like, yeah, that's not good. I'm like, well, I I know, uh, and so they, they put me in a bed. I'm in my barn clothes. I stink, and they're like, yeah. And they look at it and go, you know here put it in this cup and uh so we got to put that back on within eight hours or, or you're gonna lose it i'm like eight hours like okay that's fine but it's hagersville hospital right so i'm there and it's uh it's about six hours in i'm still laying there with my finger in a cup and i'm like man then i start praying right i'm like oh dear jesus i promise i will never sin again if i can keep my finger i'm not married yet lord i can't lose my finger right and uh and, and all of a sudden, someone has a heart attack, and just as they're about to work on my finger, I get bumped. I'm like, come on! Only in Hagersville, right? But sure, sure enough, I get bumped, and it's 10 hours now, and I'm laying there, and I'm realizing, goodbye, finger, right? I'm never gonna see you again. And they come in and they sew it up, but they had told me, as if it's disconnected from the, the, the blood supply, it's just going to die. Well, They said, we'll put it back on, but it's probably going to turn black and rot right off the end of your finger and it'll smell terrible. Do you want to try it? I'm like, let's try it, right? That would be like a cool story. So they put it on and, to this day, hey, it's still there. It's kind of, yeah, I know, a little crazy. But the, the idea of it is this, is when it's disconnected, it's fruitless, and it eventually dies. So, yeah, that's kind of a funny, humorous story, but it's not when it's us. This idea of staying connected, it matters for our, our lives. If we get disconnected, our ability to bear fruit is c- completely changed. But it also says, you know what? He says those branches, they end up dying. They end up dying. Three quick things here. Because I believe this morning there's two messages being shared. One is for you who, you're not a follower of Jesus Christ. And you think, oh man, I'm not good enough. I, you know what? I got to get some of my act together. But I feel like I know I need something. I just don't know what I need to do. He's saying to you this morning, Come follow me. Come follow me. Come get connected. You don't have to be perfect. It's okay. I'll take you the way you are. Come follow me and you'll change. You'll change. Come follow me. But the other message I believe is to us who are followers of Jesus Christ, he's saying, hey, if you're, if you're being disconnected, he says, stay connected. Stay connected to me. It's this life with me. In John chapter 15, he says this, the same thought that, um, is, is this, number one, believe Believe that you are unconditionally and incredibly loved. Never forget that. Believe that you are loved. He says it in verse 9. He says, I love you just like the Father loves me. Jesus is his favorite child. And if he loves him that way, he loves you that way. He says, I love you that way. It's not like, you know, those those preteen girls, and they're like, does Justin Bieber love me? And they hold up their little flower. He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. The flower only has. He loves me he loves me, he loves me, he loves me. He reminds us to say, keep, keep reminding yourself that he loves me. And why do I say believe that he loves you? Because if you don't believe it, you can't receive it. That goes across the board. Parent to child, husband to wife, if they don't believe it, they cannot receive love. He's saying, believe it. Stop saying that you're no good. Stop saying these things of, you know what, uh, I'm not worth anything. Stop believing any of those lies because God doesn't make junk. You're his kid. He loves you, incredibly loves you. Number one, believe that. Number two, remain in his love by obeying his commandments. Like, oh, I knew that was coming. You know, I can't remain in his love. How am I supposed to keep the 10 commandments? That's, what, that's, that's why I need Jesus. Some have said, hey, the 10 commandments, that's why I live my life by. No, you don't. <laughs> 10 commandments, Jesus, he, he, he came and said, listen, the 10 commandments were not for you to live by. That's not, what, that's not what God's plan was, saying, hey, here's the Ten Commandments so you guys live better. He's like, I gave you Ten Commandments so that you know that you're sick, that you look at them and realize, I can't keep those. I need some help. And thy help, he says, it's, it's him, that you would find him and realize it's trusting him. What I'm not saying today is go and try and live the Ten Commandments because you can't. Don't go and try to bear fruit and try and be good. He says, Jesus said to the Pharisees, I don't want to hang out with the people who know all the right stuff and who behave the right way. That's not what I'm all about. I'm about those who, who know um, the, right, the right things, who allow that to bear fruit in their lives and who it affects those around them. He says, by this, he says, he had given them a command and we've talked about it before. He says, the command is this, love one another. Just love one another. That's my command to you. Keep that command and you're going to remain in my love. Love one another. So number one, believe that you're loved. Number two, remain in that love by obeying his commandments. Number three is probably the most important and the key to it all. So if you've missed everything, wake up. Because here it is, number three, remain in my word. Remain in my word. It's been mentioned a number of times today. Uh, it, it is so, so incredible. If you claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ, and this has no part in your life, the idea of connected isn't happening. People say, I want God to talk to me. We want it like the attention Kmart shoppers. There's a sale in aisle three, and we think God's going to have the same kind of voice. <laughs> Hey, Bill, turn left. There's your future spouse. You know, it, it isn't like that. It's like this as you begin to read the word and you're just studying it and taking time. It's like something jumps out, and like, oh, that's for me. Man, I've seen it with my wife. When Beth started doing precept Bible studies, the change, just the things that I saw in her life. That the the way she parented, the way that she was as a as a spouse, the way she handles stress, all all of those things. I see this change Sarah shared a few weeks ago. It's like as I began to study the go to the Bible study, I began to grow. You know, a lot of us it's more like the pirates of the Caribbean. Remember those movies, Pirates of the Caribbean? The two pirates are sailing away. You know, the one with half an eye and whatever. They're sailing there, and the one guy's trying to read the Bible. It's upside down, and and the guy looks at him says, "What are you doing?" It's like I'm trying to read the Bible, and he says, "Well." You can't even read. He's like, oh, I know, but you get credit for trying. And, and, and we, we, we live that way, as if we think, well, I got credit for trying. I had a good intention to read the Bible. You know, I, I, um, I tried it once. It didn't work for me. So Tuesday nights, not my thing. Monday nights. You don't get credit for trying. You get credit for doing. It, the credit is that it actually, you see it happening in your life. You know, maybe for you, it's this morning say, you know what, today I'm deciding, I'm joining a Bible study group. I don't care if I'm jumping in halfway. I care. I'm staying connected. I'm going to remain in Him. Maybe it's for you, like, I have a hard time remembering to read the Bible. There's an app for that. Just put it on your phone. It'll, it'll remind you. Fuzz was telling me about the one. He's like, I'm driving at work. It's like, you know, I didn't have time this morning, but all of a Oh, yeah. Oh, okay, sure. I, and have a chance to, to just get the Word in here. And I leave you with this thought. So many of us say, you know, yeah, I'm going to go out and I'm going to apply that word to my life. I'm going to apply what I heard today to my life. I want to challenge you with this thought to take your life and apply it to this book. Instead of saying, you know, I'll apply some of those things that I'm learning to me, to say, God, I just want to stay connected. I want to live your way of living. I want to apply my life to what you say because I'm a follower of you. Get connected. Stay connected. This morning, if you're in the spot where you feel like, you know, I'm not connected to Jesus, you can be absolutely loves you. You can be. You can be. It simply takes that, that invitation to say, yeah, okay, I'm going to follow. You can talk to some of us about that if that's you. But this morning, I'm talking probably to a greater majority of those who said, yeah, I'm a follower. He's saying, stay connected. But have your eyes on following me today. What do I want for you today? This seeking His Word today. And you know what? You get so busy just with that idea of, God, I want to follow you today. You have no time to judge anybody else of how they're doing. Otherwise, you become a Pharisee. So, what is it for you today? Answer the invitation to get connected, or just again, reminder: say, "Man, I need to stay connected." Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, thank you that you do what I can That you will light up whatever portion of today you wanted for each person here. That they'd be able to take that and you go with them. That wherever they are, you are. That they're the church wherever they find themselves and can have the opportunity to grow and remain connected with you this week thank you thank you thank you for giving us your word for preserving it so that we can read it and that it's still powerful today and changes our lives today god may our lives shine bright for you today this week may our workplaces know and see <laughs> something different and see how amazing you are i uh, pray for your peace and your love and your joy to flood our lives and flood these homes uh, that that your glory would be um, just moving through this whole county uh, as a result of these people following you